Welcome to Be Happy, a podcast by the Hepatitis B Foundation, discussing all things related to Hepatitis B. It's your host, Bright and Anusha. And today we are joined by Kai Collin to discuss what Philadelphia Chinatown Development Corporation does or is about. Please introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm happy to be here. I'm Kai. I'm the health project coordinator here at PCDC, Philadelphia Chinatown Development Corporation. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about our heavy work with you all. Thank you for being here, Kai. So could you share a little bit about what Philadelphia Chinatown Development Corporation is? Feel free to share the history, the programs and services that are offered. Yeah, so PCDC, Philadelphia Chinatown Development Corp. I think we'll just go for PCDC, the rest of the podcast, and that's okay, just to keep it short. It was established in 1966, so our mission is just to protect, preserve, and promote Chinatown as a viable ethnic, residential, and business community. We have uh, very deep roots to the Chinatown community here in Philadelphia, roots that kind of extend to uh, neighboring Asian American Pacific Islander AAPI communities across Philadelphia. And, you know, with those roots, we're able to sort of develop and gain that trust. As a lot of our work addresses the needs of urban renewal, affordable housing development. A lot of our services are related to that. We have a huge 65 and older population, mostly low income, English as a second language. And a lot of them, English isn't even a part of their language at all. So that's our target population. Um, So we offer a lot of services in housing, affordable housing, community development, And our work also extends to youth development and public health. So just to follow on, so in Philadelphia, Uh is is your work just limited to Chinatown or does it extend beyond Chinatown, like to other communities where, uh, let's say, maybe the population might not be highly Chinese or or Asian? How does that work? It's a great question. Yeah. So our main sort of services are sort of targeted or prioritizing um, Chinese immigrant populations. But in terms of our public health work, uh, we definitely are expanding more. You know, there's this thing called, you know, the the Asian American sort of population is very, uh, there's a lot of ethnic communities that make it Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. So just keeping it in public health, we've done a lot of work in sort of disaggregating AAPI health data. I think a good example is we did a survey in the year and a half where we kind of try to gauge the barriers to vaccine hesitancy for AAPI communities across Philadelphia. So we did, you know, survey tabling, outreach efforts in South Philadelphia, where there's a lot of Indonesian, uh, Vietnamese, and Cambodian populations. Um, So our work is, while it does prioritize the Chinese Americans, um, I think our public health work is trying to expand more into including more of those subpopulations, which are, I believe it or not, very hard to reach uh, when it comes to health equity work. Okay, thanks for for the clarification I asked Mm -hmm. because, uh, so I spoke with someone who is also in one of similar organization, I can't remember the name now, but we were talking and in my head, I thought most organizations kind of limit themselves to certain populations. So I Mm -hmm. thought that was the case, but speaking with her, She explained that, just like you said, when it comes to the health aspect of the organization, they are open to everyone, Mm -hmm. but there are certain things, uh, certain programs that seems to just be limited to that population, but other things are general. So she actually asked me to spread the news, tell people to come, you know, it's open to the general public and all that kind of stuff. So 
Thank you for, for that. So what, what would you say are your favorite parts of your job and mm -hmm. how did you get interested in this work? So just a little background of how I got involved in PCDC. I started off as an intern. I actually went to Jefferson for my public health master's and I saw the job posting board for an internship opportunity here about, I think we're coming up to two years ago. Yeah, so I interned under my past supervisor and the former pro health program manager, Dr. Esther Castillo, who transitioned into a city role now. So she threw me on a lot of health projects that PCDC was and still involved in. And yeah, I like the work because it did kind of align with what I was learning in theory in class uh, with uh, my public health classes. So it was kind of just like a sort of perfect match. Um, I would kind of consider it my field work <laughs> as a student because it supplemented a lot of things I was learning in my textbooks and my notes. So just to have that experience and practice and hands-on opportunity to do that and to continue to do that was, um, was very good for sure. Yeah. And definitely increased more of my passion in public health because long story short, it was kind of like a field that I uh, stumbled onto and I really didn't know anything about before. So yeah, working at PCDC here and working with the populations each and every single day is uh, definitely lights the fire and more my passion for it. I mean, that's so interesting because it, it, a lot of time, it, it seems like we all stumble upon things that we didn't know we were passionate about you know right. you get closer to it and then you start doing it and you're like oh man i didn't know this this was so good you know yeah, yeah. but before i heard of that you have no idea what, what yeah. it was like you know so so that's good that's good you 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 found that passion once you you and you kind of uh intern at that place you find a passion and you fell in love and mm -hmm. everything kind of fell in in way like yeah. you said with what you were studying and what you vision doing after you graduate and mm -hmm. so i think that that's uh, great to know and i think it's cool yeah for sure yeah i think so too i started out as an intern myself at the hepatitis b foundation and then i transitioned into a program coordinator role so i definitely learned a lot more about public health and what it actually looks like than just from what we study in school so it's really interesting so how has partnership with the hepatitis b foundation improved the health and well-being of the communities that pcdc serves sure. so we partnered with head b the head b foundation um last november i believe and it was sort of a project near and dear to my heart because it was like the first thing that i was i had kind of creative control over as opposed to like our covid vaccine projects where i kind of had just a template and I knew, you know, I was kind of guided by hand. So when my supervisor uh, transitioned to the city role, she kind of threw me on the deep end with this heavy project, which is great because, you know, I was excited to use what I learned in class and use what I learned in the successes I learned in our past projects to carry out all the activities just to raise awareness for heavy and, you know, to break down the stigma that's attached to heavy screening, just the disease in general for Asian Americans who are affected by it disproportionately. So I was super excited about that. But yeah, it was just a breath of fresh air for me to kind of work on it for sure. Yeah, just to answer your question about how it kind of improved the health and well-being, it's kind of hard to measure it because we don't, I don't have like a clinical sort of measurement to how many, you know, people were, I, I don't have like a, a clinical measurement to it, but I do know that we screened about, I think, 40, 40 plus community members in the past year. 
And we were very innovative in sort of raising awareness for Head B. We did a coloring contest to raise awareness for liver health, which we kind of outreached to, you know, different AAPI populations, as I stated before. So we were able to get, able to get um, you know, different demographics, different uh, ethnicities, different ages to kind of take part in that. So I think that was very helpful in raising awareness to the disease in general. And we also did some workshops. I think my favorite part of the work was we were able to recruit a community member with a lived happy experience to come in and do a talk to her fellow community members and neighbors about the importance of screening for head B, the experiences she had with her family about it and um, just the disease in general. And I think, you know, health screening is super important, but to have continuing education with it and to have community members come in and share their experiences with the disease kind of went hand in hand with the screening. So, yeah, so that's kind of how I measure our success in the way and our improving our community's well-being in terms of um, hepatitis B. Yeah, that's that's very innovative, especially the coloring contest. I think I saw some of like the pictures you shared in one of our presentations and they looked super cool and interesting. One follow-up question to that. Sure. So the clinics, so PCDC has like health clinics on site, right? Where people can get access to providers and healthcare services. Are you able to connect people who test positive for hep B with those providers as well? In our past health clinics, we personally, we weren't, but I think if, correct me if I'm wrong, I think we had people from the Heavy Foundation sort of connect community members who were screen positive. Uh, we don't know who was positive, but we do in terms of like connecting them with resources. Uh, we do have social media posts where we're able to connect our members with, you know, heavy related events, testing sites, and just general heavy events that are uh, pertinent to them. So that's, that was kind of our extent of connecting our community members to resources post screening. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that is very innovative with a coloring contest. I have never heard of something like, you know, that's really innovative of you guys to think about using art to kind of get people attracted to the event and, you know, make it fun at the same time, educative and raise awareness. Uh, that's really something I'll keep at the back of my mind as we go forward. I think it's, it's really unique. So what would you say are some of the milestones or successes that the organization has achieved if you can remember anything you know sure in head b in general or just our health equity work as a whole if there's any any stuff with head b yeah as general healthcare as well yeah so you know pcdc has always sort of been involved with health equity work throughout our history i think when the pandemic and the availability of vaccines kind of propelled us into more of the public health sphere. I think the city did, didn't do a very good job in sort of making vaccines available to our community members here. So we kind of took it took it upon ourselves to partner with local providers to, you know, provide free vaccines mm-hmm. um, to our community members. So I would kind of call that as our baby steps. And then now we're kind of learning how to walk in terms of our health initiatives. And this is where like things like Head B come in, our Head B work. Now we're thinking about doing stuff more in preventive health and continuing, obviously continuing our head B work as well. So yeah, just we 
I think our work with Hebby in general was a vital part of Mm -hmm. that shift in focusing into preventive medicine here. You know, this past June, we had a uh, a large community scale event called the PCDC Expo. So we had our own dedicated health corner and we were able to invite Drexel University and UPenn uh, and the Hebby Foundation to come in and do health screenings. And I think the Hebby Foundation was a hit there because they were able to screen i think 30 plus or more community members so yeah and then just again continuing our success in providing health screens and of course continuing education is a big part for us here at pcdc you know it's one thing to bring screenings in but to provide education and to provide context to why people need to get screened um it's also very important for us and to do it in a space where it's safe they're able to they have, we, you know, we have a lot of bilingual staff and the capacity to do so to, you know, provide that education. And yeah, so just continuing education and uh, the health screenings are just a big milestone wins for us and big successes in terms of our health equity work for sure. And it's something that we love to continue to do and continue to expand more for sure. Yeah, I think it's, it's very important. You, you mentioned the education aspect. To me, I think that's key to, if you want to have an impact on community behavior, I, mm-hmm. I think education comes in because you just can't go in and tell the person, don't do this or don't do that. Right. But if you educate the person and the person understands mm-hmm. why they shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. what they have been doing, I think that goes a long way than just giving a command and say, don't do this, don't do that, you know, right. <laughs> that kind of stuff. So I always think when it comes to health education is always mm-hmm. key in, right. in having a conversation either with either with an individual or with a community so it becomes a really big part of whatever you intend to do just a quick question before anusha comes back in how do you like with your hebi program i know it just started but with the hebi aspect of uh, of what uh, pcdc does when it comes to health in general, do you guys do screening, vaccination, and then the Hebi Foundation takes over when, let's say, someone needs further treatment, or how does that work? Yeah, so um, good question. Right now, our health work entails vaccination, uh, screening, yeah, education. Yeah, those are kind of the three things that PCDC is has the ca- okay. capacity to do. Unfortunately, okay. we don't have like clinicians on site. So, like I said, we kind of have to leverage our partnerships with, you know, Heavy Foundation and, you know, the universities here to provide those services and that education. Yeah, unfortunately, our, that's kind of like the capacity we have as of right now. And, you know, it'd be great if, you know, we have clinicians on site, you know, around the clock to, you know, do health services and do like health screenings for us. But, you know, it's uh, one of our skills is um, strengths. Mm-hmm. is the partnerships we have to provide those for our community members in a safe space, familiar space. I think that's that's really cool. Not only does uh, PCDC does its job, but also have partnerships mm-hmm. around and they can send people to those partners to 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 get care if C- PCDC doesn't have mm-hmm. uh, the capacity. So I think that's, re- that's really cool to build that community partnership. Yeah, I agree. And I think one of the things that's often missed with like community-based organizations like PCDC is that they can be so overwhelmed and overburdened and they have so many limited resources and they need to rely on 
other partnerships and community members to make their programs effective and continuing those programs and services. So that's that's definitely a challenge and a barrier as well. I did have one question about stigma. I know with the Hepatitis B Foundation, when we do screenings in Philly, we try to partner with like other organizations as well. So there are like multiple screenings going on at the same time. So people feel less stigmatized about getting hepatitis B screening. But what do you think are some other ways we can combat or deal with stigma when it comes to hepatitis B screening or vaccinations or just hep B in general? Definitely. I think just to repeat the success of our community luncheon, where we brought in a community member with the lived experience with hep B, uh, I think just for her to yeah share her experiences and outright tell her fellow neighbors and community members that, hey, you know, happy screening is important. You know, it, it's important to get this. It's important to, you know, have a healthy liver and change your lifestyle and change your behavior. I think for them to hear that from someone who looks like them and someone who lives maybe two minutes from them is, it might be small for us looking looking in, but it's very profound to, um, I feel, to the the people in that room just for someone to brave enough to um, share her experiences and um, let them know that you know, these things are important and it's important to think about and start to think about changing your lifestyle and health behaviors and, you know, kind of move away from things that were that we thought were in the past and um, kind of change that so we could prolong our lives. So, yeah, just having a someone like that to be involved in the community forgot to mention having AAPI providers as well. At the same time, we, at that luncheon, we had a doctor from Jefferson who was Asian American sort of present the, the, about heavy and the importance of screening as well. So yeah, just having community members who in that same community um, do those things are kind of very profound to um, the community members and trying to breaking down the stigma attached to, to screening the disease itself. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Representation is so important, both at the community level and then also at the provider level. So what kind of support or resources do you think would make the programs at PCDC more effective and helpful to the community with regard to hepatitis B? I think continuing our education aspect, you know, once the grant is over, our head B work isn't over, basically, you know, so reminding community members that this disease is still here. We're still continuing to work on it. I think the Heavy Foundation has a great uh, storytelling sort of workshop. I was looking through it a couple of weeks ago. And I think that's very profound and awesome in just terms of breaking down stigma. So even having other AAPI community, other AAPI individuals with lived experiences, um, not just from Philly, but from all over the world and uh, the United States come in and, you know, do talks and do workshops just to continue that education and continue that dialogue to break down stigma. And I think once that always will supplement our health screenings and, you know, having the attendance and community members come out more to get screened because once they hear those experiences and once we kind of take those, you know, those sound bites from, from those community members who have it and share it amongst the entire community. Um, I don't think they'll have community members come out more to, to get screened for sure. Yeah, that's true. And Bright is actually a part of that storytelling workshop as well. He was a just be storyteller. 
So, Brian, do you want to share a little bit about what that experience was like for you? I know you've talked about it on the podcast before. Sure. I mean, I think just to echo what Ty said about the difference it makes to have someone with a lived experience come in and kind of talk about their experience. I mean, I think it's always, it, it makes a difference when between talking about numbers and then the people seeing someone in, in real life as someone who is lived with this disease, you know, they are able to connect. And, and I mean, it makes a huge difference because it, you see different attitude from or different response from the community members. I mean, I've had the privilege of doing a lot of community events. And then at the end of the event, you have people come up and share personal experience, which if it wasn't because I was there in person, unless it's someone just talking about numbers, I, I think it doesn't open those kind of communications. But here you see people willing to, to listen, willing to do something, you know. And, and so I always thought the storytelling program uh, is, is very impactful in that way because you are able to bring a voice as someone who lives with a disease and you share your experience and also you use your experience to raise awareness or to sound the alarm to the community members like, yeah, we need to do something here, you know. And sometimes it, that is very impactful because it forces people to think ab about this disease as a whole. Because in certain communities, a B is a taboo subject. You don't talk about it. Nobody wants to mention it. But in this space, you are able to use your experience to kind of break that barrier and allow people to, to talk, allow people to have a conversation about the disease and its impact. So, so I do think that storytelling program is really is very huge, especially when you, you look at it from the perspective, the role that it can play in the communities. I have seen it very, very close in person and, and, and I've seen the impact and, and change it does in, in the community. So I think it's good and I hope the foundation can keep, keep up and expand even to the wider community, wider world or society. I think the impact will, will be huge in that situation. So, Kai, uh, where do people find you or your organization? PCDC is kind of involved in a lot of, uh, we have our hands in a lot of baskets in, in terms of like community development and anything related to Philadelphia Chinatown. But we do have a website at chinatown-pcdc.org. We also have a very awesome social media team here. And Instagram at Chinatown PCDC. Um, so you could always find us there. You can always reach me by email, kcollin at chinatown-pcdc.com. Org, sorry. All right. Well, thank you for being here with us today, Kai. We really enjoyed this discussion and conversation and learning more about PCDC and upcoming projects you guys have coming in. And we're very excited to work with you in the future as well. Sure. Thank you for having me, Anderson Bright. Appreciate this. Thank you. Thank you so much. We couldn't do this without you. And we hope we, at the same time we talk about Hebe, we also kind of uh, let people know about PCDC and what they provide and people can come in and, you know, see what you guys do and participate or volunteer or whatever they want to do. You know. So thank you for coming. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please subscribe for future episodes about Hepatitis B. If you have any questions, please direct them to info at hepb.org. You can support our programs at the Hepatitis B Foundation 
by going to www.hepb.org donate or click on the links provided on this page. We appreciate your support. Stay tuned for more episodes.